The Feminist of the Year Award goes to President Joe Biden, who does not simply believe that women are as good as men, but who believes that women can do every single thing that there is to do better than any man can do it. You know, I've told my daughters, granddaughters from the time they were old enough to understand what I was saying. And I mean it. There's not a single thing a man can do that a woman can't do as well or better. Not a single thing. Not a single thing. There is not, women can do better than men. Men can never do better than women. And that is why I'm resigning the presidency and giving it over to Kamala Harris. Or any, Oh, wait, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Just more bluster, lies, and false modesty from Joe Biden. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday, this was close. There's actually a runner-up, but my, my favorite was from Lightfire EX, who says, people are saying how it's easier to buy a gun than to vote. But last time I checked, dead people can't buy guns. <laughs> this is true. And it's hard for felons to buy guns. And it's hard for foreign nationals to buy guns in the United States. And pretty soon, if the Democrats get their way, all those people are going to be able to vote. Children, gosh, the list goes on and on. The runner-up, though, I, I couldn't let this one go. My second favorite comment yesterday is from uh, the Shuckmeister, who says, war is peace, freedom is slavery, shrimp is cereal. Really profound stuff. That is the depths of, of new speak and double think and this Orwellian inversion of our culture that we have sunk to. But there are still some simple solutions in this culture. Like, for instance, if you are a man interested in your wellness, then you can check out Hims. Forhims.com is all about men's wellness. Need help with ED, hair loss, or have a cold? Interested in mental health or COVID-19 home tests? Hims is here for you. Hims connects you with a licensed medical professional online who can prescribe FDA-approved prescription medication to treat ED. You get the same active ingredient as that expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag. No embarrassing conversations, no expensive appointments, just answer a few questions online about your medical history, and a provider will confidentially review. If approved, your medication will be shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging. Shipping is free. I know guys don't want to always talk about these kinds of things, but there are really simple solutions if you are dealing with this problem. Try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash Michael for your free visit. That's forhims.com slash Michael, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Michael. Prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if your prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. Remember that is forhims.com slash Michael. Speaking of men and men's problems, what Biden said is just obviously not true. He's saying there's nothing that men can do that women can't do as well or better than men. Uh, chopping wood. Men do that better than women. Writing love songs. Men do that better for women than women. Playing tennis. That would be a good example. If you can always read about the uh, great, great battle of the sexes between Karsten Brosh and the Williams sisters. Karsten Brosh, uh, before he was about to play the Williams sisters in a back-to-back -back tournament in tennis, he went out, smoked a bunch of cigarettes, drank some brewskis, played a round of golf, and then, then beat the women because men, men are physically stronger than women. Uh, spatial reasoning would be another, 
another example where men would seem, generally speaking, to have an edge. Also, even if you're not willing to grant any of that and you're, you think Karsten Brosh had some unfair advantage or something, the cigarettes gave him power. If what Biden says were true, and it, even if it weren't true, but Joe Biden believed it were true that, that women can do anything better than men, or at least as well, he wouldn't have run for president in 2020, or he would resign now. Joe Biden knew that a bunch of women were going to run for president in 2020, and he chose to run anyway. But there's nothing that a man can do that a woman can't do as well or better. So the minute, you know, look, if it were just men running, I could see why Joe Biden would run. But if women are going to run, well, then you know they're going to do as good a job, if not a better job than you are doing. So he would have not run. He is the male president right now. He is a female vice president. So he would resign, wouldn't he? Because, uh, or he's just so selfish that he doesn't want us to have the best president we possibly can. Or he doesn't believe that. He obviously doesn't believe that. And it's just false modesty. F false modesty is a big problem in our culture. We, we, we talk so much about pride, how everyone just thinks like, I deserve this and I'm wonderful and I, I'm me, 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 and everyone needs to serve my whims and everything, right? That's true. That pervades the culture. We have whole months now dedicated to pride, right? Not even, not even just the narrow sort of sexual pride questions, but like all sorts of pride, right? So that's a big problem. False modesty is just the flip side of that. False modesty is just another form of pride. True humility does away with false modesty. But false modesty is that sort of thing, you know, someone will say, oh, I really enjoyed something that you wrote or something that you did. And you say, oh, no, it wasn't really good. Stop, go on. Hmm. Go, no, no, what do you, no, I don't agree with that. Tell me more. <laughs> you know, that's, that's uh, false modesty and uh, it's very irksome, right? There, you, you know this, you know people who can't take a compliment. And it, it's actually not a good trait. You should be able to take a compliment graciously and then move on. It's only when people are really, really obsessed with themselves, they're constantly focusing on themselves, that they either harp on it for a really long time, or they refuse the compliment, and in so doing, also harp on it for a really long time. Just thank you, just accept it, it's fine. Joe Biden does not believe that men, that women rather, are better than men. Joe Biden does not trust women to do men's jobs. Joe Biden does not trust women even to be women. He wants men to be women. Dr. Rachel Levine, a Biden appointee to be the assistant secretary for health at, the, at uh, HHS, uh, was just confirmed by the Senate. Uh, despite Rachel's name, uh, Rachel is a man who identifies as a woman, and he has become the first openly transgender federal official confirmed by the Senate. And I will say this because I, you know, obviously I don't bear any ill will toward this guy, but the, the whole issue is a little, uh, not quite right. So I'll just, I'll just describe to you what happened in the most clinical basic terms I can. In our country, in our government, a man who thinks that he is a woman has become one of the leaders of the Department of Health. That is a Monty Python sketch. That, ac that actually is a Monty Python sketch, 
if you've ever watched the life of Brian, you will see this gender issue come into stark light. Why are you always on about women, Stan? I want to be one. What? I want to be a woman. From now on, I want you all to call me Loretta. What? It's my right as a man. Well, why do you want to be Loretta, Stan? I want to have babies. You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. But you can't have babies. Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to just take? You're going to keep it in a box? Here, I've got an idea. Suppose you agree that he can't actually have babies, not having a womb, which is nobody's fault, not even the Romans, but that he can have the right to have babies. Good idea, Judith. We shall fight the oppressors for your right to have babies, brother. Sister, sorry. What's the point? What? What's the point of fighting for his right to have babies when he can't have babies? It is symbolic of our struggle against oppression. It is like I'm watching a documentary. It is like I am watching an actual news report of of our culture right now. And Monty Python is making such an important point in here. Not even just about the the ridiculous idea that a man can become a woman, but about the, the language that we use to describe our rights. I mean, this appointment of a man who thinks he's a woman to be one of the leaders of our health department is being hailed as a great victory for rights, the rights of, of people who, some people actually suffer from this psychological condition where they think that they're the opposite sex or they very much desire to be the opposite sex. And some people are just kind of doing it because it's fashionable now. But this is being hailed as a big win for the rights. What right? You can't have a right to something that is not possible, logically. You can't, but we talk about it this way. We say he has a right to be a woman. He can't be a woman. It's not possible. It's in, in the nature of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman, the man cannot be a woman. It's like saying the square has a right to be a circle. The square cannot be a circle, but it has a right. It's, it's unfair that the square cannot be a circle if the square wants to be a circle. Well, I don't think it's unfair because it is in the square's nature to be a square. But even in this fallen world of ours, if we all acknowledge that, you know, maybe the square really wants to be a circle and we like the square and we, we want to make the, the square feel better because the square is crying like the guy in Monty Python, we still can't do it. And we can defend the abstract right of the square to be a circle. And we can even call the square a circle, but that won't change anything. The square will remain a square. And there is this hubris, this pride at the basis of progressivism broadly, which says that we can transform the whole world. We can do whatever we want, even if our desires are not in order with reality. The the old constitutional order in our country says that there are fixed laws and eternal nature and eternal nature and these fundamental realities, and we're going to have government in accordance with that. Progressivism explicitly states, you can read Wilson, Progressivism says, we don't live in that world anymore. Nothing's fixed. Everything's evolving. Everything's changing. We can do whatever we want. Whitaker Chambers writes about this beautifully in Witness, which is, uh, Whitaker Chambers is this ex-communist who, whose book helped turn Reagan into a conservative. And he said, 
communism, we might now zoom it out a little bit and say radicalism more broadly, is a lot of people think that it's a new ideology. It's not. It's the, it's the alternative faith of mankind. It's, it's as old as the Garden of Eden. It began in the Garden of Eden when the, the serpent told Adam and Eve, ye shall be as gods. That is the premise here. But ye shan't be. Ye shan't be as gods. You know, uh, Chuck Schumer on this whole point, he says, the arc of history is long, but it keeps bending toward justice and transgender Americans, you know, deserve this. And it's so important. and It's so wonderful that they're seeing this transgender person and it's breaking down barriers of ignorance and fear. The only ignorance here that is being propagated is being propagated like people by people like Chuck Schumer and people who are insisting contrary to reality, nature, and reason that a man can be a woman or has some right to be, or that we all have some right to things that are simply not possible, that are simply incoherent. Don't let them get away with that ignorance. It will not, it will not breed the happiness and compassion and wonder that we all think it's going to breed because it is not possible. We actually shall not be as gods. <laughs> we actually will not struggle as we might, sin as we might. We will not change the, the fabric of reality. And the more we try to do that, the more misery we're going to breed. One thing you can change though, is your diet. And you can, <laughs> you can change your appearance in a little bit. If you want to lose some weight, one way I really recommend doing that is Nutrisystem. Nutrisystem is simple and convenient with delicious meals delivered right to your door with little to no meal prep required. That means no shopping in busy grocery stores. That means that with Nutrisystem, you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months, which is very important for me moving to Nashville. <laughs> you know, it's uh, they have a lot of good like fried chicken and biscuits here. The plan is clinically proven to put your body in fat burning mode and helps you achieve safe and healthy weight loss. Nutrisystem helps you lose weight and learn how to keep it off. They have a top rated app called Numi for extra motivation to help you stay on track you get unlimited one-on-one coaching. I really recommend this stuff. A lot of my friends do weird fad crash diets. It, that just doesn't work, guys. It works for a little bit and then it falls apart. Uh, if you, if you want to get in shape, if you want to lose weight, do, do it a healthy way, do it a sustainable way. A Nutrisystem, great way to do that. Order Nutrisystem now. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles to get 50% off. Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles. This Sexual insanity by which we now have a leader of the Department of Health as a man who thinks that he's a woman, that this, this madness has, has reached down all the way to the elementary schools. It's not just a thing that happens in elite halls of left, left-wing politics or in the universities, say. It's going down to elementary schools. Nebraska's uh, Department of Education has new health standards that would teach kindergartners about sexual, gender identity. I'm sorry, I can't say sexual identity. Gender identity. Fifth graders then are introduced to the gender spectrum, which explains to students that there are an infinite number of gender identities. Teachers then are encouraged to explain that gender expression and gender identity exist along a spectrum. And then when you get to sixth grade, then you really get this kind of sexual ideology where 11 year olds are taught the specific difference between being cisgender, transgender, gender non-binary, 
gender expansive, that one seems kind of redundant, doesn't it? And gender identity. Five-year-olds to 11-year-olds being taught all of this stuff. And for the left-wingers who want to mainstream it, it's very smart. If you want to mainstream things, teach it to kids. Kids are very impressionable, very formative. They are not yet educated. So the less educated they are, the easier it will be to implant ridiculous ideas like this. And what does the right do? We complain about it. And sometimes, not even, we don't even always complain. Some squishes go along with it out of a mis- misplaced sense of compassion. But then are we willing to exercise political power when we get it? When we actually get political power, are we willing to go into the schools and say, nope? Not only are we also going to teach our views, maybe, please, we are going to kick out all of your insane views. We are going to ban them. We're going to use the force of the state to exclude your insane radicalism that undermines human flourishing in our entire country. Are we willing to do that? No. I think a lot of Republicans and conservatives say, ah, oh, it's a little, I don't want to make the substantive claim. I just want to talk about, you know, free speech or academic freedom or all these abstract notions that have very, very little to do with the practical tradition of free speech in America and the, and the practical, real conservative tradition in, in the West. That's the only way we're going to get anywhere. This is the thesis of my book, which is coming out, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which you can pre-order now, for now. I don't know how much longer you'll be able to. It's doing very well in pre-sales, by the way, so thank you very much to those who have pre-ordered it. This is my thesis, and it shouldn't, I, I don't think it's a controversial thesis. It certainly shouldn't be, but it, I guess it is today. It is a controversial thesis that Republicans should make substantive claims about the world and then actually exercise political power. I would say that most of the prominent conservatives of the last 20 years, at least, have explicitly disavowed that notion. And that's why they lose, 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 lose. You know, while conservatives go squishy, believe it or not, there are actually some Democrats who are realizing that this, this stuff is crazy. That, that, that especially the gender ideology, because it's the most insane example of it, that, that really maybe we shouldn't be teaching this to kids. It's coming from segments of the Democratic Party that do not necessarily lead that party. A Democratic representative, Caesar McKnight, uh, made this point on uh, Tucker's show the other day. South Carolina Democrat legislator who said these, these crazy radical Democrats who are leading the party, they don't understand that black and Latino conser- uh, Democrats are not down with all this stuff. When I hear people suggest to me that I'm a homophobe, I resent that. I don't hate anyone. What I'm about is protecting children. And I think that in South Carolina, you have to be 18 years old to get a tattoo. So how is it that you can get an irrevocable procedure performed on you at any age during your adolescence? It's ridiculous. So that's what he is describing there is a, is a totally mainstream argument. It's, it's an obvious argument. We have age of consent laws. We say if you're 17 or 16, you, you can't consent to have sex. But if you're six, you can consent to have your body mutilated and pumped full of hormones. How is that possible? I mean, just, I'm, take away the, sec, the sexual aspect of it for a second. Just, just focus on the consent. The whole idea of, of consent here is that children do not have the capacity to fully consent to something. That's why he brings up this issue of the tattoo. 
So who are Democrats not getting it? No, only some Democrats are not getting it because they don't understand that there is a, a bit of a cultural divide here between the white progressives who run the party and the black and Hispanic Democrats who, who make up a lot of the voters. One thing that I think my party needs to understand is African-American Democrats are very much more conservative than their, yes. con, than their white Caucasian counterparts. They need to understand that. They do need to understand that. That is obviously true. Uh, I, I also, not to plug my book a second time, my book Speechless, but I, I talk about this a little bit in the book too, which is when you poll people's views on political correctness, or now you might say wokeism or whatever, all these radical ideologies, you find that the only group that, that really approves of this stuff, white progressives, progressive activists who are, who are overwhelmingly white, they are uh, whiter than the newly driven snow, that when you get down into some different racial groups and different geographic groups, uh, that support breaks down. Now, you might ask, well, okay, if, if black Democrats are not on board with this insane ideology that's running the party, why are they still Democrats? I don't know. My friend Candace Owens obviously started a whole organization to try to convince black voters to leave the Democrat party. There are other organizations for other identity groups that are currently in the Democrat coalition that, that uh, people think ought to leave the Democrat coalition if they disagree on issues like this. Sure. Sure. Make, I hope that happens, but I guess there's some lag time. It, it, you know, Trump made a lot of inroads among, among minority voters, but not, not enough to, to really make a huge difference. But make no mistake, this radical ideology is being driven by white progressives who in so doing, or cultivating a false sense of victimhood. None more so than Megan Rapinoe. Megan Rapinoe is a lady, she's a soccer player, I guess, and she has silly colored hair and she's very, very left-wing. Megan Rapinoe was just speaking at the White House and she, uh, as she's speaking there, right, she's a fairly well-known person, she's fairly rich, she's speaking at the White House. She just had to complain. I'm a member of the LGBTQ community with pink hair, and where I come from, I could have only dreamed that I would be standing in the position I am today at the White House. Excuse me? Hold on. She just said, hi, I'm a lesbian, and I've got silly colored hair, and I'm a liberal activist. Uh, not, not totally surprising. And I could have only dreamed that I'd be here. What are you talking about? The dominant regime is explicitly telling us women are better than men. The president said women are better than men. We're told that straight white men are the, the bane of, of all existence. You know, they're the, they're the source of, of evil in the world. We're told that uh, unusual sexual desires are much better than straight sexual desires. What are you You're, you are the exact person who would be standing there at the White House. She goes on to complain even more. I'm also a professional athlete. And I've helped, along with all of my teammates uh, virtually here today, one teammate literally here today, uh, win four World Cup championships and four Olympic gold medals for the United States. And despite those wins, I've been devalued, I've been disrespected, and dismissed because I am a woman. And I've been told that I don't deserve any more than less because I am a woman. You see, despite all the wins, I'm still paid less than men who do the same job that I do. For each trophy, of which there are many, and for each win, for each tie, and for each time that we play, 
it's less. And I know there are millions of people who are marginalized by gender in the world and experience the same thing in their jobs. And I know that there are people who experience even more where the layers of discrimination continue to stack against them. So nothing she just said is true. She's not paid less for doing the same job. She does a different job. She doesn't play men's soccer. If she played men's soccer, she would have never made it onto a high school team because men are better athletes than women because they're bigger and stronger and faster. And that's just a fact of nature. And you can't change that nature. She's never been devalued. She's extraordinarily overvalued. The president of the United States is standing there listening to this woman babble on and complain. She's rich. She's famous specifically for her identity politics. And yet she brags and boasts, and I've got all these trophies, ugly, ugly pride, and then whines and complains, even more ugly pride, and a sort of a, a, a false sense of victimhood. How on earth anybody would, <laughs> would associate themselves with political views that this sort of woman is preaching? But she knows that, that victimhood has currency, and I think that is the, the sort of cynical reason that a lot of people go along with it, is they know that if they can claim any sort of grievance, any sort of victimhood, no matter how ridiculous like this woman's, then they can get a certain advantage in the society. Very, very ugly stuff. If you want to remain safe in these crazy times, you ought to check out Ring. That's what I would do. So much is going on at our front doors these days. That is one thing that for sure has not changed, especially for me with my cute little bundle of joy, little June, who is getting, you know, we're getting food delivered. Oh, that's great. And, you know, we're getting little little baby clothes. Oh yeah. Open that door right up. Give me those baby clothes. And we're getting uh, in-laws visiting. Well, hold on. Uh, maybe then you don't want to, I don't know, maybe you'll open the door. Maybe you won't. With Ring, you can make that decision from inside before you open the door, whether you are in your office, maybe you are in your bedroom, maybe you're on a beach on the other side of the world. With Ring, you can see and speak to whoever is on the other side of that door. It makes me feel really safe when I travel knowing that sweet little Elisa and cute little June do not need to open the door before they, before they find out who is outside of it. That's a great housewarming gift. I, uh, I give it to my friends. Unfortunately, my friends have realized that I talk about this on the show and I mentioned that, you know, I don't pay a lot of money because Ring is very, very well priced. It uh, still makes a fabulous, fabulous gift, even, even when they find out what a great deal it is. Right now, I got a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles. Comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to upgrade your front door and start your ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. By the way, if you want to check out Ben's show, you know, sometimes I, I talk about here what Ben is going to be talking about later on, on his show or on the radio. Well, look no further. I'm going to be hosting Ben's show later today. We got a lot of brand new stuff, uh, things we're not going to be able to get to on this show today. So go go check out that out if you just miss me too much when this show ends. Also, Candace Owens has a brand new talk show with us exclusively at dailywire.com. And if after listening to my show today, and if after listening to me on Ben's show today, you still, you feel, I need more Michael. I haven't had enough Michael. Well, you can head on over to Candace's show tomorrow. I'm very excited to be on Candace's show. We shot it yesterday. It's going to air tomorrow. It was a lot of fun. I was there with Brandon Tatum and Bryson Gray. Uh, Candace also has a podcast you can listen to on Apple, you know, on, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you get your podcasts. Jumped up to the top of the charts. Uh, so go check that out. If you want to watch the full show, you got to do that. It's only for Daily Wire members, but you can listen to clips over on, on the podcast. We'll be right back with a lot more.
what is it with these Megans claiming victimhood? These rich, famous Megans, Megan Rapinoe, the soccer lady, Megan Markle, the former duchess lady. What, what is it with these, with these Megans? Megan Rapinoe claiming, because I am a lesbian and therefore I'm at a great disadvantage in society. Is that, I don't think that's true in our politically correct culture. Speaking though of lesbians and victimhood, big news out of a public poll firm, Public Religion Research Institute, a poll that was just released on Tuesday. For the first time ever, a majority of Republican voters have indicated that they support same-sex marriage. Uh, for the first time, a slim majority, 51%, say that allowing gay and lesbian couples to legally marry, and we'll get to that in a second, I think it's very poor wording on the question, uh, is, is perfectly fine by them. This is up from 47% support in 2019. Uh, independents are also at a new high point, uh, 72% support up from the mid-60s in the past few years. More than three in four Democrats support same-sex marriage, up from 70% in 2019. Similar uh, to 77% in 2018. Okay, what's the issue here? One, I don't think the marriage debate is about rights, and I don't think it's about compassion, and I don't think it's about antipathy toward people because of their sexual desires. It's simply about reality. It's about what is. The, the marriage debate was framed by radical activists as a question of who has the right to get married. Well, if it's a question of rights, then everyone should have the right to get married. So therefore, okay, good. We've now redefined marriage to include same-sex unions, right? No, because <laughs> that, that was never the debate. If that were the debate, then we would have legalized polygamy with the same Supreme Court case. Because if everyone has the right to get married and it's just a matter of rights, why can't three or four or five people do it? Why can't we call a whole town a marriage? Because that's not what a marriage is. The question of the marriage debate was always, what is marriage? For all of human history, everywhere on planet earth, sexual difference was always thought to be essential to marriage. And maybe in some times and some cultures there was polygamy, but sexual difference was always at the heart of marriage. The union of husbands and wives Men and women made complementary to one another with the logical possibility of procreation, the basic fundamental inst political institution of the family, propagating the species, living together in harmony. Then, according to that view of things, there's no question of who has the right to get married because men and women have the right to get married. To, to one another, because that's what it means. In recent years, not that long ago, don't forget, Barack Obama running for re-election did not support gay marriage, <laughs> did not support redefining marriage. Joe Biden actually kind of jumped him on the issue. But even in 2010, 2011, Barack Obama still said, no, it's ridiculous. Marriage is a sacred union between a man and a woman. Hillary Clinton said the same thing. But there was this new idea that sexual difference has nothing to do with marriage. Okay, well, if that's the case, then all I'm asking you is, what is marriage? What is it? Well, it's, uh, you know, two people who love each other. Okay, well, I love a lot of people. I love my friends. I love my family. 
Is that marriage? No, it's different. It's romantic love. Oh, okay. Well, I love my boyfriend. And I love my girlfriend. So is that marriage? No. Well, it's, no, it's different. Michael, you love your boyfriend? Shh, I'm not supposed to admit these things on the show. We all date people, right? You know, why, what is different about marriage? Marriage is when you make a commitment to a specific institution that will involve the creation of family. So if, if we can acknowledge that, then we can move past this crazy, crazy victimhood culture. But we can't do that because now even the conservatives are losing sight of what the actual argument is. It has nothing to do with antipathy or saying, I don't like gay people or I don't like this, I don't like that. It has nothing to do with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. The rest of the world, by the way, thinks we're completely losing our minds. The Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, he has come out and said that Joe Biden in the United States are to blame for the migrant crisis at the border. Take a listen. Here, I'll, I'll read the, the uh, subtitles. Expectations were created that the government of, of President Biden there would be a better treatment of migrants. And this has caused Central American migrants and also from our country wanting to cross the border, thinking that it is easier to do so. Okay. I think that's true. I do think that those expectations were created. And now the Mexican president is saying it's an issue on our side too, because you got all these people now coming up from Guatemala, coming up from Nicaragua, coming up from El Salvador, who are creating a lot of issues in our country. Biden, why won't you just enforce the law? Well, because we have good intentions, compassion. We need to let people in. The situation that's going on right now is much worse. It's not compassionate. It's very cruel. The rest of the world, though, looking at us like we're completely insane. The, the student government right now at UCLA has just passed legislation. Not, not to say that, uh, okay, we're going to allow illegal aliens to come to our school. Not to say we're going to allow illegal aliens to, to mention that they are illegal aliens and we're going to try to not, not have them be prosecuted for it. The student government of UCLA just unanimously passed a $23,000 fund to give illegal aliens in this country a stipend to pay foreign nationals to be in this country and to serve on this student government. The UndocU Council member stipend on March 2nd uh, was, was passed. This according to the college fix. This is not just a perversion of standards. This is an inversion of standards, right? This is not just saying in the old standards, we're going to kick you out of this country if you're not supposed to be here. It's not just saying, okay, we're going to let you stay. It's saying, we're going to, we're going to pay you to be here. <laughs> we're going to give you our money and money that could go to American students at a public university. We're going to give it to foreign nationals violating our laws. That's how much we hate ourselves in this country. That we, please take our money, please violate our laws. Oh yes, we deserve it. This is true, not just in these crazy universities. This is true in cities around the country. The mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia, Democratic mayor, Mayor Nikuya Walker, tweeted a bizarre and vulgar poem Wednesday, comparing her city, the city that she is supposed to lead, to a rapist. 
poem. I'll, I'll read you the poem. Maybe this will be my good snap poetry sort of, you know. The beautiful ugly it is. It lynched you, hung the noose at City Hall and pressed the souvenir that was once your finger against its lips. It covers your death with its good intentions. It is a place where white women with black kids collects, collects? Signature for a white man who questions whether a black woman understands white supremacy. Huh? What's going on? It is destructively world-class. Destructively world-class. White people say that it is a place where gentrification started with the election of a black woman in 2017. And because of white power, a lie becomes facts. Its daily practice is that of separating you from your soul. This is the city that she's the mayor of. Charlottesville is a void of a moral, is void of a moral compass. It's as if good old Thomas Jefferson is still cleverly using his whip to whip the current inhabitants into submissiveness. Charlottesville rapes you of your breaths. It suffocates you of your hopes and dreams. Oh gosh, lady, this place sounds terrible. I won't, I won't finish it. You can read the, the rest of the poem if you want. She says, you know, the city's rooted in white supremacy and racism and all that kind of stuff. She probably shouldn't be the mayor of this town, right? <laughs> if you... <laughs> If you don't love your town, you probably shouldn't be in service of your town, right? You, you, you probably shouldn't lead your town if you hate it. If you hate your country, you probably shouldn't lead your country. In a way, this is a form of false modesty too, because this woman is not saying I'm bad. She's not saying I, I have problems and I am contributing to the problems in this community. She's saying everybody else is. Every other Every problem in the whole world is someone else's fault, but it's never hers. So she says, you know, it's this town that I'm the leader of. It's really terrible and bad, but not me. I'm, I'm the good one, you know, but, but oh, everyone's really terrible here. It's a, a great, true form of pride. It's completely uh, tone deaf to the realities of, of human brokenness and original sin. But it's, this is also a form of filial impiety. The reason we, we ought to love our countries, the reason it's right and just to love your country and be, be a patriot is because of filial piety. It's an extension of the natural obligation you have of loyalty, duty, and even love for your family. And then you extend that more broadly and you get up to the nation and beyond the nation for that matter. This is a form of filial impiety. It's very ugly. Even people who live in not great countries, when they just turn on their country, it's ugly. Just like if you hear someone bad-mouthing his family or bad-mouthing his community, it's just ugly. Even if some criticism is warranted, you think this kind of disdain, this contempt is really, really wrong stuff. We're, we're actually beginning to see this among conservatives too. So really, I'm sorry to report this, because I had high hopes for Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota. I suppose I still have high hopes for her. She hasn't been in the spotlight all that long. So I hope she, she writes the ship right now because she's really going in the wrong direction. Uh, Christy Nome caved to special interests on the question of women's sports. On this gender question, I guess. It should be a very simple question for a conservative. And she refused to sign legislation that would ban men from competing in women's sports. And she said, no, maybe, you know, we need to let, we need to make the legislation stronger by weakening it, you know, and we need to let men compete in women's sports or something. And she obviously got bullied by special interests and she betrayed a very basic conservative view. So conservatives from across the board have criticized her for this. And now she's punching back at the conservatives. At least her spokesman is. Her spokesman, Ian Fury, said, Governor Nome is very used to fighting off criticism from the left. 
After all, in the past year, she was the only governor in the entire nation to never order a single business or church in her state to close. Yeah, she did a great job. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was bullied by the left, but she didn't cave. Yep, true. But if any number of conservative pundits are to be believed, that same governor who refused to cave is now caving to the NCAA and Amazon on the issue of fairness in women's sports. Yes, that's true. That's what she's doing. What? Apparently uninformed cancel culture is fine when the right is eating their own. Oh, bad move, lady. Bad move, Ian Fury. You think that, so you make a big mistake and you betray your, your base and your constituents on a very simple question. And that's bad enough. You can still just admit you are wrong and right the ship. But instead, now you start attacking conservatives and you call them uninformed and say that it's cancel culture. First of all, as I've said from the beginning of, of cancel culture, the phrase is sort of unhelpful in that it's describing a real phenomenon, which is that the libs are, are destroying people's livelihoods for saying ordinary and right and true things. But this doesn't mean that we should never criticize people. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have standards. It frankly doesn't mean that we shouldn't ostracize or even censor some forms of speech. We had a, a cancel culture sort of in the 1950s when, when Senator McCarthy and the House Committee on Un-American Activities and patriots in Hollywood were booting communists out of our insti- institutions of government and culture. And when we were booting Soviet spies out of the federal government, like Alger Hiss and Harry Dexter White, yeah, that, that was good. I'm glad that we were doing that. And criticizing all of our politicians and holding their feet to the fire is a good thing. Notice nowhere in this, in this diatribe from, from Noam's spokesman, does he ever attempt to refute the point, which is, which is so obvious. It's right before our very eyes. Noam refused to sign the legislation that would have said that men are men and women are women and the men shouldn't compete in women's sports. And it's a logical conclusion, seems common sense to me, that it's not because her constituents bullied her into that. She betrayed her constituents here. It's because some special interest bullied her into it. Okay, just say you're sorry and change your mind or defend the bad decision not to sign the legislation. But don't call me uninformed. If if you're going to call me that, at least refute the argument. But they can't refute the argument. They can't refute the argument at all. Not a good look to turn on your own guys, especially as, as 2024 heats up. There is going to be, as President Trump said, a very deep bench in 2024 among people who want to run for president and who I think would be good candidates. Lots of governors, lots of senators, lots of sharp people, lots of, of really tough conservative politicians. If, if you can't handle some perfectly legitimate, tame, frankly, criticism from some political commentators on your own side, how on earth do you think conservatives are going to trust you to be their nominee and run for president. There's a lot of time before 2024, but people got to shape up. People got to get ready for prime time. Very sad to see that, that Christy Noem is going down this wrong path in, in South Dakota, turning on her conservatives and sort of the spokesman lashing out at them. Meanwhile, though, another governor and potential 2024 nominee is playing his cards perfectly. That would be Ron DeSantis down in Florida. The guy has, has really done great on COVID and he's now trying to parlay that into a broader uh, sort of platform. Can he do that? I don't know. You know, we don't know a lot about the guy, so we'll, we'll see how far he can go. So far, he's doing a great job. He also is doing a great job of, bunk, of handling the media. So a reporter 
at a recent press conference, accused Governor DeSantis of bungling the COVID response. And DeSantis, he channeled his inner Newt Gingrich. He channeled his inner Trump and went after the reporter. Here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the publics. We can do this. They calculated that 90% of their seniors live within a mile and a half of a Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So we did that. And what ended up happening was you had 65 Publix in Palm Beach. Palm Beach is one of the biggest counties, one of the most elderly counties. We've done almost 75% of the seniors in Palm Beach. And the reason is because you had the strong retail footprint. So our uh, way has been multifaceted. It has worked. And we're also now very much expanding CVS and Walgreens now that they've completed the long-term care mission. Yes. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative. And you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. And so it's clearly not. No, no, no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes, sir. (laughs) No, no. You're wrong. I love that. It's not enough just to refute the narrative. You, you've also got to tell people that you've refuted the narrative. That, that is how strong the, the democratic and leftist communications apparatus is. You got to spike the football sometimes. And uh, DeSantis knows how to do that. He's very good at uh, the, the political theater. So strong stuff. I mean, it's really good. I think he'll have a good shot. You know, I've made no secret of the fact that uh, I'm very in favor of uh, Senator Cruz running in 2024. I don't, I don't have any inside knowledge or in, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I haven't heard anything despite pestering him on our, on the set of our verdict show to say, Hey, are you going to run? Are you going to run? I, I really don't know, but I, I would encourage him to run. I think he would certainly be part of that deep bench of conservatives who would be really strong. President Trump agrees. He said the same thing the other day and, uh, and Senator Cruz proved it again, S- similar kind of exchange. Uh, this, I think e- even more important, frankly, He was giving a press conference and a reporter asked him why he wasn't wearing his mask at the press conference. And uh, Senator Cruz, I think, handled it perfectly. Uh, Yeah, when I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask. And all of us have been immunized. So uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The The whole point of a vaccine... CDC guidance is what we're following. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh, sir, excuse me. Will you, will you need to put the mask on? Uh, no, no, because I'm speaking, you know, and I'm on TV. And, uh, and uh, also, by the way, I've been immunized. Well, no, but we just, we would rather you put the mask on. Yeah, no, you can step away if you want. That's fine. I'm not going to stop you from, frankly, I'd prefer it if you would step away. Thank you. Uh, but no, I'm, you're not going to have me muzzle myself a minute longer than I have to. We follow the science. A great answer. It's really, really <laughs> good stuff. And, and I, I really hope that every other Republican takes note here. I really hope so, because uh, that's the only way that we're going to push back is by actually taking off the stupid mask and actually not letting these people bully us, offering substantive arguments. A great substantive argument just came out of Utah. I got to get to Utah's Governor Spencer Cox who signed a piece of legislation on Tuesday requiring all smartphones and tablets sold in Utah to have filters that can block pornography. Now, the way this will be implemented, it will take effect on the first day of January next year, 
or I'm sorry, on the next, the first day of January, following the day when at least five other states put forth similar laws and those laws take effect themselves. So the, the reason for this is it, it would be very difficult to implement if the phone companies have to only do this for one state. They, it, probably you couldn't actually get it done. But if you have multiple states doing it, it'd be much, much easier to get the, the phone companies to do it. This is a great idea. I know that some people from the squish wing of the Republican Party are going to say, oh, no, no, the George Washington fought the revolution so that everyone has a right to look at a lot of weird porn on their phone. But it just isn't true. And uh, for all of our country's history, we've had laws against obscenity, and they've often were enforced pretty, pretty stringently. In recent days, they haven't been enforced as much. Uh, but, you know, even as recently as 2008, I think it was, George W. Bush jailed a pornographer simply for obscenity. So uh, this is perfectly fine. I need to show an ID to go buy a Playboy, you know, down, down the street at the CD magazine store. But I can look at anything I want on my phone anywhere. Not, not just me. I'm an adult. What about a kid? Not, not to sound like the lady from The Simpsons, but won't somebody please think of the children? Uh, seriously, this is, a, this is a point that drives me crazy. I can't tell you how many letters I get in the mailbag and even people sending things on Twitter of young men who say that their lives have been really, really harmed by porn, by being exposed to porn and getting hooked on it when they're really young. And it's, it's amazing because the left-wing culture tells young men, you admit these toxic men, they need to go to therapy. They need to talk about their feelings. They need to tell us what they're, they're really, what's going on inside. And then the young men do tell you and they say, yeah, we got this horrible porn culture that's driving us all completely insane and we need some limits on it. it. Largely, I've noticed young men who are pushing to regulate porn or ban porn. Yeah, because they're the ones who are being affected by it. And then the minute that the, the men say their feelings, the left says, oh, you're a prude, you're ridiculous, you're a fascist, you're a Nazi, shut up, you vile bigot or something. Well, no, let's, how about we follow the first part of the left's logic? Let's take this seriously. The founding fathers and every serious person who's ever governed our country would love this sort of legislation, which says that we're not going to encourage licentiousness because licentiousness destroys liberty. We have this modern idea that licentiousness and liberty are the same thing. They're not. They're not. They're, they're actually polar opposites. And for the, I mean, this, this legislation, this took serious culioni, to use the Italian phrase, a strong spine, let's say, for, for this governor of Utah to sign it. I wish the legislation were a little stronger, uh, but th- this, this is a good start of Republicans offering a substantive vision for our country. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The media continues to lie about the facts on interracial violence and homicide. Utah moves to protect children from pornography. The mayor of Charlottesville seems to go 
completely insane. A soccer player is the latest spoiled rich woman to publicly announce that she's oppressed, and we'll examine a few recent examples of alleged anti-Asian racism. All of that and much more today on The Matt Wall Show.